Hi, this is Sofia Mingram from Mingram Media, and you're listening to SME Stories Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey everybody, thanks for downloading the show. We have a great episode today with Sophia Mingram. She's the owner-operator of Mingram Media, offering photography and videography services. After graduating with honors from Durham College with a diploma in advertising and marketing communications, Mingram Media has been shooting weddings, events, portraits for over five years, now documenting local events and capturing commercial photography for small business as well as pet photography. I met Sophia back in 2020 through Sherry Prescott at Arts on Fire Ajax all the way back in episode one where they were offering family Christmas photos, uh, and we actually have been using her ever since. So you're going to learn a lot today in this episode about photography and videography. So just sit back and absorb. All right, guys, we have Sophia Mingram, Mingram Media. How are you doing? Hey, Ken, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me here in the podcast. Uh, all right, Mingram Media, what's your story? My name is Sophia Mingram. I am the director and owner of Mingram Media. It's a, it's a business that focuses on creating video high quality photography for small businesses and also people who just want to capture the most important milestones in their life. It all started since I was, uh, I think, 12. My best friend, she told me, ah, can you take some pictures of me? And, and I didn't have any experience in photography prior to that. I will just take pictures with a cell phone or something just simple. And then she told me to hold her camera. I just snapped some pictures. She didn't give me too much instructions, but just snap and have fun with it. Afterwards, I was like, wow, capturing, like putting someone in front of the camera and you taking really the, like the role of the director and direct the person to, to feel comfortable enough to just truly being themselves on the other side of the camera. It's really amazing. So. I started practicing photography more and more. Uh, years later, I moved to Canada. I was in high school. And again, one of the things that I do love about the Canadian curriculum is that they do incorporate media production into some of the, uh, in, into some of the courses. So of course I dove into it and I will start doing video thinking that maybe one day I will focus on this. Little by little, I learned that, Hey, photography and video is fantastic, but let's just keep it on the side because I cannot eat from this. I cannot work from this. That was my, like, my own thinking. So I went to college for advertising and marketing uh, communications just to keep it. Like, even during the program, I will still take some photography courses just for the sake of not losing that passion of mine. Afterwards, I, I did some, I worked in the advertising industry, which is fun. I was super excited because I was like, yay, I'm the youngest one in the agency. And yeah, I am working on something that I was meant to. Like I, I went to college for this. I have to work on this and I just keep going until I retire. It was until the pandemic hit that I, the, the entire industry, of course, got shifted. And it really made me realize that if for some reason, things will go south. Will I be happy with what I was doing? I'm like, okay, I actually don't like this work environment as much. I started preparing. I didn't just quit my job and ha, open my business. No, as, as much of a millennial that I wanted to be and just do that out of the blue, I decided to pause and prepare, save enough money for me to invest in a better and a full frame camera. And also to have some extra savings just in case. I mean, it's COVID or the pandemic on certain times where you cannot just rely on my passion. No, you also have to plan for certain scenarios. So I decided to make a small business plan. Okay, if I quit my job right now and I open my own photography business, how will it look? Who will I target? How, like, how can I make it work? So thankfully, I, I was able to meet my, my quota of savings. And then it was the scary part where I had to really think, okay, do I want to do this? Yes. Can I do this? Scary? <laughs> I no, it's, it's not scary. Everyone should start their thing, right? There's no fear. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong, right? What could possibly? <laughs> and that's the thing. What's the funny thing? I was even thinking, okay, should I? Okay, let's just do, let's just do this. Let's talk to HR, letting them know like, hey, um, this is my, I'm going to resign because I want to pursue my passion. And the first thing that the HR person said, good for you. We support you all the way. That's If that's what you want to do, go for it. But just make sure that you stay consistent with it. 
because there is going to be times where you want to quit and that's when you have to keep pushing. And I'm like, okay, okay. That's pretty good <laughs> that's advice. That's good. Yeah, solid. Uh, comp- in comparison to the things that I was expecting, typical, oh, you shouldn't quit. But anyways, jumping into it, I think that was, I, it, it was too good to be true at the beginning. I had, I was fortunate enough to sign some amazing clients who kept me through the pandemic. It, it, it was, entrepreneurship has such a fun way of teaching you that though you may plan for certain things, you should also we be willing to try other avenues that were not part of the plan. So for example, my my original idea was to do wedding photography, portraits, and family portraits. With COVID, only commercial photography was was allowed. I mean, I was like, okay, let's diversify the portfolio. Let's actually dive into other areas where not everyone goes into. I didn't, I personally didn't consider myself a very good videographer at the beginning, but it was because, again, I didn't try it. <laughs> I didn't try it out. So. It was just a matter of, okay, even though I planned for this, like for this type of photography to be implemented in my business, I have to learn and start offering these other services that are really in demand right now. So it's almost like you you have to put yourself into a very open-minded state that, hey, if there, if you are just starting out, it's good for you to diversify as much as you can. And later on, when things get a bit more stable and you really get a grasp on what you are really good at and what you really enjoy doing, okay, that's when you can start narrowing down the services. Because at the beginning, it's in my recommendation or at least in my experience, it's really good to say yes. Say yes to the risk. After you say yes to a lot of, a lot of risks and you realize that, okay, now you know where you are going, it's time for you to say no. Because if you stay a long time saying, yes, I can do this. Yes, yes, yes. People will take your word for it. And then you will be in the weird situation or uncomfortable situation where when you say no, some clients may not like that. And also you may feel like, oh, this is not right, which is completely okay to say no to certain projects if they don't align with your vision. Yeah. I mean, but, what makes it interesting is that she basically answered pretty much 95% of the questions I was going to ask her. So thank you very much. And we're going to close. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to close <laughs> it that quickly. So, <laughs> no, it, it's great because uh, I usually like to let the owners, like, the, like my guests on the show, I like to let them really, really open up and really explain everything. And some yeah. will just, if I didn't stop her, she would probably go for their next 45 to 50 minutes just on her own if i didn't stop her at this point just (laughs) thank you for stopping no boundaries (laughs) no but you actually brought up a good point actually some of the questions i ask are going to be related to that but i think one thing you touched on is the saying yes because one of the questions i usually ask is and this is probably going to be the tips from the pro section where it's like should i diversify and when you say Mm -hmm. say yes until you find out what you want and then start to say no it reminds me of a story my my Mm -hmm. late father told me And it was something that when you're working for a company, regardless of any company, when you're young, you say yes to everything. And he he equates it to bulls, like actual bulls. He says, when you start a company or you start working for a company, whatever it is, you're basically like a baby bull. You have no horns. Once you get to a certain level, whether it's number of years experience or like you said, in this case, figuring out what you want to do, you suddenly develop bigger horns which means you can now Mm -hmm. start to say no for a lot of things and i think the challenge a lot of owners usually think of is that like you said they have to say yes to everything Mm -hmm. saying yes to everything doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea exactly right if if someone says oh you do photography and videography do you do makeup by the way and Mm -hmm. you might only just do your own makeup you're like i can do my own i can you do makeup Mm -hmm. I, i guess i can try it but then if the quality is not there if you exactly. don't have, like you said, the training and the reps, the experience of doing it, mm-hmm. just be very wary of how much you want to offer. Just Exactly. Because you can always work on this strategy where it's, okay, partner up with a makeup, hair and makeup artist and we'll say, okay, do this project together and split the revenue. So then you're not saying no, even though you're not technically doing it yourself, like you're focusing on your lane, but with mm-hmm. these, maybe a contractual partnership with a third party that can offer that service. Exactly. You can, hey, it's better to make 50% of something. That's what, what, I, what I think about that. All right. So we yeah. talked about, you mentioned a lot of different things there. So what really makes your business really successful? Like, how do you run it? So 
first of all, I, I though I will open a um, physical studio. Uh, that's in the upcoming plans. Currently, I'm just running it purely out of my like out of my home through virtual meetings and mm-hmm. just shooting on location. What makes us different, and I say us because right now I'm actually building a team of um, creatives as well. I know it's something that huh, it's exciting, but basically what makes us different is that we focus more on the actual experience of creating the content. Some of the things that as a student, if you or a beginner that you will see is that you tend to compare yourself a lot with professionals, with people who have been in the industry for like years and years or who have more expensive equipment, the contacts, the connections. But all of that will like, it will come when it's time for it to come. But you have to focus on, okay, what do you have to offer in terms of experience? When you are interviewing someone, how are you going to make them, you know, feel like themselves? How when you're emailing, even like little details, like an email or, hey, let's have a quick chat. How are you going to address those little meeting points where you have to really tell your client that, hey, I'm going to be here for you. We have to be on the same page. And no matter what, I want to ensure that you are comfortable enough and that you feel inspired enough for this project to work. So it's really more about focusing on the client and at the same time, making sure that sometimes the client may know exactly how a what they want in terms of like deliverables or let's say they have inspiration but they don't know exactly what they need to to request from you so it's really good for for you to listen listen where is the person coming where is the vision and at the same time give yourself time to also think okay is this something that is going to teach me something or is this just a project that you know it's just going to be good for hey practice so I think I awesome. Okay. Okay. But yeah, so basically listening to the clients, that's something that you have to do as much as, as, as you can in order to, to make yourself different from other people, because I can tell you, oh, I am a photographer that has $5,000 uh, worth of, of memory cards and 17,000 lenses. And I can like show you a full closet of a uh, camera equipment and tell you that I, I am like the best photographer in Durham. That's great. Honestly, that's great. But if the client doesn't really value that, maybe you will just come across as like a great catalog of photography, but not really as someone who is willing to, hey, though I have all of this experience, what do you, what, like, what inspire you to reach out to a photographer? What's your what's what you value the most that I can help you with to capture it. So it's more seeing it as a partnership, like that's really it. putting yourself in the partnership position. No, that, that's a great point, actually. And being very client-specific, client-centered is very important, actually. And, and like you said, you talked about, yeah, you can show them all the equipment. And I'm sure to some extent, sometimes if the only thing you showed someone, like like I said, I'm very noob when it comes to photography and videography. <laughs> if someone just showed me one camera, I'd be like, oh, okay. But if for some reason, if I talked to a photographer, let's say back before, prior to COVID, I'm, I'm thinking back to when my wife and I had to, were getting married and we had to like interview photographers and videographers. When you go to back then, before you can actually go to their homes. And a lot of these places had home offices as well because we got referrals. Yes. We would go in and I'd see a photographer with, you know, like you said, the closet full of camera equipment. So yeah. not to say that meant we were going to select that person, but it yeah. does help, right? If it's, so you exactly. don't need to show like, like you said, 40 different cameras just mm-hmm. for your project. Showing like you had a few is great because if I see that, yep, I'm a professional photographer and you take out a box that only been open and they pull out the camera. Yeah, this is the camera I'm going to be using. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, Red flag. okay, there's no dust on the thing. And yeah. I can see the price tag still on the camera, so I don't know if I <laughs> want to go with it. So we're not we're not endorsing you need to spend forty thousand dollars worth of equipment. That's let's, let's make that sure. Yeah, disclaimer. Disclaimer. <laughs> but we just want to make sure that you're looking professional. You can show maybe a couple of pieces of equipment to show you know this is the type of equipment I'm going to be using, and depending on the <laughs> scenario that we're going to be taking these photos or videos with, it could either be this or it could be this. Okay, that's pretty good to know. So at least from a professional standpoint, you say okay, this person has at least the equipment for it, that they're not just going to be pulling out their iPhone and taking photos of my wedding. Because I don't think that, yeah. maybe, I know stuff maybe. on Amazon, you can <laughs> get stuff that attaches to a phone. I might get your opinion on if those are really worth it, or if, if you want to <laughs> make it a profession, or 
probably that's great for a hobbyist. Yeah, actually, a good thing that you mentioned as well is when people, in terms of photography, right, sometimes it's hard to really, well, it's not hard. Sometimes it can be a challenge for certain clients to really see the value of photography or video. And it all comes down to, okay, after your wedding or after your event, the only remaining proof that your event happened is, well, in the case of a wedding, yeah, your your marriage, (laughs) the marriage license. And the photography, the pictures. No, I don't think in 30 years from now, no one is going to be uh, to go back and, and, oh, wow, that cake was actually really special. I, I think I felt like amazing. No, not to disregard the cake, it, it, the cake industry, they are amazing. But photography is really something that gains more value the more time it passes by. So... It's funny, I, I, you're tiptoeing yeah. around the cake industry like they have some type of something you got to be afraid of. So I haven't had a cake uh, person yet on the show, but maybe we'll get someone in and we'll have oh, it. No. No. They I'll, have we'll, other unique value propositions. There that you go. <laughs> now, I will say about one thing, like you talked about the cake. I might push back just a little bit because I yeah, think for course. some reason, when we were married, we got married back, uh, me and Mrs. K got married back probably in 2009. And yeah. uh, we had one cake and I'm... We're obviously, I'm not, not to make this about cake, but I remember <laughs> the cake because it was, I think it was an armoretto kind of cake. Oh. When I, my parents talked, when I told them, yeah, it's going to be an armoretto cake, they're like, are you trying to get your younger cousins drunk? I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not, they're not going to get drunk. It's just a little bit. So I, I remember I, I, I took a piece from the cake person and I said, okay, here's a sample. Mom and dad, try it. You'll see. There's a hint of a flavor, but you're not going to get plastered on <laughs> drunk. this. And then my mom tried it. She says, okay, that's good. And then my dad tested it. He tested it again. Tested it again. Kent, I need to keep testing this cake just to make sure it's exactly okay. So when the fact that he almost finished the entire sample showed me that it's good. But that's the only reason I I mentioned the cake. But I think I agree (laughs) with you definitely. The license, the photos, videos, that's the visual thing that that you really need to remember. And funny how things have changed in the way of photography i know we're going to talk about in the future but back in my day not back in my day oh my god i make it sound like i'm old we (laughs) have we have this big album and all the big photos and and then i think there's some for our wedding in hong kong because we had to get married there as well we had photos where i don't know what you would call it but they collaged the photos into almost like Mm -hmm. a yearbook feel so i don't know what those are called but i was like Oh, that's a thing now. That, that's pretty cool. So we talked about your growing yeah. a team. That's awesome. So what are you ty- what, what type of growth are you thinking of right at this point? Like, where do you see yourself in five years if things go according to plan? So we're going to knock on wood <laughs> that everything goes to plan, right? I know, knock on wood, because in five years from now, hopefully, okay, I can just say, I, I don't know how the pandemic and how the world itself is going to evolve, but I do see myself with a solid team that I can rely on for editing and at the same time for to have a team that really takes on creative challenges with with a positive attitude. The reason why I am very like keen on like building a strong team is because entrepreneurship itself can be very lonely when it comes to you facing challenges and you making the work and do all the heavy lifting. Doing it on your own is good because you have the control over every single little aspect, but at the same time it burns you out so having a team for me it was one of the biggest lessons that I learned after I think two really bad uh, breakdowns of me burning myself down to way to the ground so yeah I see myself with a solid with a solid team ideally I want to I'm trying out right now the the avenue of having a, a physical studio where I can gather and pro- uh, gather with my team and actually produce the content so we can have a home base and have this corner where we can produce as much as we want, uh, have fun and really enjoy the, the craft of photography and video. And then afterwards, boom, close the doors and go, go home and actually enjoy our personal life because that's something that as good as it sounds to have a great team, it's also good to learn the boundaries of the personal life and your entrepreneur life. So you have to, that's something that I, it was until I started partnering up, partnering up with other people that I realized boundaries have to be set even before you start. Like for you to be able to, to know, okay, am I working way too much or 
I am working enough for me to be able to, okay, let's, let's have some dinner. Let's, uh, let's avoid the burnout at a very whatever age you, you may be at. So yeah, having a team is great for keeping yourself accountable. Also not burning yourself out. Yeah. It's also good for you to get to know really, for really listen to other perspectives of on yeah. any other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. it's true. Building a team is good. I like what you, you talked about. You talked about boundaries because I think yeah. the challenge, the funny thing is at the end of the day, it's your name on it, right? So it's as, as close as you want to be with the people you hire. And I'm sure you can definitely be friends. You can maybe have a barbecue once in a while <laughs> kind of thing. But having that clear separation of, okay, this is the, the personal Sophia where we can joke around and have a yeah. barbecue and then there's works for my company's at stake so we need to do certain things and we're not going to like try to you're not going to blend it to the point that you're going to try to use our personal exactly. relationship as a way to get something for you out of it so that whole thing is good you want to make sure because yeah you, at the end of the day it's your name and it's your name and it's also the other like if, if you start if you start dealing with other people it's also their time versus your time both of people's times is valuable but yeah, so the boundary. <laughs> how big of a team are you saying? So you're saying like you're building a team. In your yes. opinion, what is the optimal number of people? And like you said, you mentioned that it's not just all photographers, right? Obviously, <laughs> you're still going to be a photographer, videographer, but you're going to have editors as well, like whether it's for the video or the or the audio or the sorry, the photos as well. So yes, for the video, I do have an editor that helps me with like the very big projects that I do. Um, I have that that friend that has been there to take on on the workload because sometimes i i get to film and direct and do all of the pre-production and po um, production itself but yes having a, a video editor has been essential for my business and are you asking like what other essential team members will be just curious because yeah i think for like i said for anyone who wants to get into this space that you're in sure. it's nice to hear because i think some people when my limited view on understanding of this is that oh i just need another photographer or maybe two yeah. photographers, maybe just a videographer. And then that's <laughs> it, right? Or maybe, yeah. we'll get, maybe, and maybe we'll just buy some accounting software and then we're all just good to do. That's it. But that's some agency from the op, the way you're trying to scale up your business. How are yes. you? Yes. Yeah, so you talked about videography. You have an, an yes. editor already. So yes. what else so, are you looking to bring in? Yeah. If you really want to do this in terms of commercial work, so photography and video in the commercial aspect of things, because that's my specialty, I would recommend to have, yes, a video editor or photographer editor, depending on which one is more important for you or your clients. In my case, the thing that took me the longest was video editing. So that's where I'm like, okay, I can do it, but do I have the time for doing it? No. Okay. So then a video editor, that was a... a super like essential piece of the business right now. I also uh, have another another photographer as part of my team that in case I am not able to go to an event, I I can still rely on this person to, hey, you can do the event and then we can both work on the post-production side of things. So having a backup photographer is essential if you want to especially do something such as a wedding or a milestone, more on the lifestyle more on the lifestyle category of photography. I also have a person who helps me with voiceovers or voice acting. And that's also not essential, but in my, in the top of projects that I usually offer or work on, I, having a, a voiceover actor helps a lot in terms of having someone that can, hey, let's add some voiceover, let's add some structure to a video that maybe will come across more professional by having someone explaining what is into it. Another it's not a team member, but another key essential thing to have everything in place, and you just mentioned it, is a software that helps you to have everything in, in order from your accounting to your customer, to your client relationship management, and at the same time to have all of the deadlines in one, like in one space. One of the things that I found helped me tremendously was to use softwares such as HoneyBook. So HoneyBook is a, it's a software that helps you to schedule, send contracts, invoices, all the not very fun stuff of photography and video. And since I started using not software, fun. Who doesn't like typing out contracts oh, or I know. sending out <laughs> quotes and stuff? Come on. 
Yeah, I know. No, it's the best part of like even using a software is that sometimes you may think you have it all all in the back of your head, but when you're stressed or when things go in a different route and having something that automatically reminds you, hey, FYI, you still have five other things coming up in the week. It's 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 rewarding and at the same time it's it brings you peace in terms of I have control okay. over my business. Interesting. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. So let me go on to the next topic of here. Course. So uh, what is your biggest expense at this present time? No, it's okay. I know. <laughs> um, I guess the biggest expense. Oof. So I will say one of the biggest investments that you have to do when it comes to photography. Some people may say, oh, the camera doesn't make the photographer. I know that's true. But I will invest in two things that they are pricey, but they are worth it in good quality equipment. Like I know some lights or some cameras or some lenses may have a big price tag, but at the same time, it's also the, it will equate to, to, it will facilitate your work to achieving uh, a better, high quality image or video. So invest in equipment. And the second, I guess it will be first invest in education. Because you may have an iPhone and that will be the only thing that you may have to, that you will be able to use to take pictures at the beginning. Okay. But if you know how to take the picture, if you know the education that it takes to make any camera work, produce the work that you want to do, that's invaluable. I know many people at the beginning, they are like, "Ah, I have the camera, I have the lenses. Okay. Now what's the next investment? Education. You have to learn how to use the software. You have to learn how to, how to operate a business, a photography business, and at the same time, how to also be a good artist and create the best type of photography. So I will say the biggest investments on my end so far have been A, equipment, because again, it's just the price tag that, that you have to initially invest. Then A, when it comes to education, just workshops and also mentorship. I feel like that's another investment that really good quality education in like in this industry comes with a price tag in terms of a workshop or something that really dives you and pushes you to open your mind and try new things. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Actually, I didn't, I wasn't expecting the mentorship. I, I had a feeling it was going to be equipment and all this. And we're, we're going to ask about the <laughs> specific tips from the pro section. We haven't even hit that section yeah. yet. So we're almost 40 <laughs> minutes, well, 30 minutes into it. So that, that's it. That's okay. That's all right. What about, so I'm going to tie this in here. So you talked about certain expenses. What are some expenses like uh, that most people don't know that you guys actually pay for being a professional photographer, videographer? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, if, it depends a lot on the project, but one of the expenses that you will not expect, for example, will be protective equipment for like things that prevent accidents or things that just, in my case, I remember spending more more money on the, um, I remember spending a lot of money on things that could prevent accidents on the shoot that were little expenses. Oh, let's, let's buy the, the protective thing to the lens or let's buy the, the insurance. Let's buy the, the protective gear for the camera so I can shoot outside or let's, you know, a little things such as props to anything that makes your project seem safer and look better. Those little expenses are the ones that usually the client doesn't see, but your credit card will definitely be <laughs> like, hey, Joseph, FYI, like I know that you're, if you, if you, especially right now, if you are shooting during COVID, which you should, if you're doing commercial work, you, you are still able to, you spend a lot of money on PPE. You spend a lot of money on cleaning supplies, things that you will not consider. Oh my God, this was essential before the pandemic. But those little expenses, they have to be there. And you may not even have to even think about those. We were like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, oh yeah, yeah cleaning. No, and, that, that's yeah. good actually, because I know when I, one of my episodes where I was talking to a hair and makeup artist, Melissa, I believe her name is, and she was talking about one of the things that she did, because she obviously, she's worked in the similar space in terms of weddings and some events where is like the carrying case to carry all of her equipment, even yes. as a hair and makeup artist was very yeah. particular. And I guess what people don't understand is that, you know, what, especially when you're in a particular, particular space, 
you speak, you become very picky with certain things that most people who mm-hmm. aren't in your space wouldn't even think about. Like uh, yeah. I could, for most office workers, I'm, I'm gonna because I use, I work in an <laughs> office and I'm working at a home office right now because we're still in the COVID times. Is <laughs> that versus my wife, Mrs. K, who works in a hospital? <laughs> so. A couple of things, the differences between the two of us in terms of how we work. First, one, we're never going to work together unless we want to expedite our divorce because we're just going to drive each other nuts. Secondly, for her being in the hospital, they do a lot of, yes. and they do a lot of actual writing with pen or pencils or sorry, pens. So she is mm-hmm. very particular about pens, specific yep. pens that she knows how good it is, how much pressure to put on. So she's very particular, which me who not, who knows, who doesn't really write anything. Like my writing is horrible and she'll attest to this. To me, a pen's a pen. But when she looks at my home office and when I work, I'm very, I I use mice, I use mouses, keyboards, screens, Mm -hmm. every office chairs. I am very particular. And obviously in the podcasting space, I'm very particular with the type of equipment I use. Could I buy a $20 microphone? I probably could. I could probably mm-hmm. buy a really cheap mouse and a really cheap keyboard. But you, when you start feeling the mid-grade to higher quality stuff and then you can justify it, then you start to go to that direction. I think you, that's a pretty good point you talked about there. So what is the, we're going to talk about the industry. So in your opinion, the photography, videography industry, where does it look like it's going in your opinion? The industry as a whole has been, I'm fortunate enough to, to say that it has been a bit more diverse before even as a as a female like Latino photographer, I will always see more like the stereotypical photographer who is a guy with lots of experience. So I thought, oh, it was going to be only a certain type of photographer that was in the industry. But then nowadays, I see so much diversity in content in people and who actually are into it. And I feel like it's going into a way where you have to be where you have to prioritize diversity. I feel like also collaborations uh, nowadays, especially because we are all working from home and just digitally co- communicating, I feel like there's going to be global connections where you can collaborate with someone who, in my case, I'm collaborating with someone who is in Mexico. We're not in the same country. We're not in the same space, but yet we are creating something that has both of our of our inputs in it. So I feel like that... Um, Diversity and actually inclusion of new ideas is going to be where the industry is going at. At the same time, I feel like the, we were talking about equipment and technology. As scary as it may be, uh, we also have to admit that most of the photography that we know nowadays is not going to be, it's not going to be the same in the next five years. Even when it comes to editing pictures there nowadays, People will think, oh, you just Photoshop it. Photoshop is amazing. But when you incorporate artificial intelligence into an editing software, which nowadays there's plenty of them, they are getting better and better and better in making, in really transforming a picture without too much uh, human interaction. So it's also learning to, okay, despite technology getting way too advanced to the point where maybe you as a person, okay, you as a creative, what, what do you have to offer? It's really good for you to start to really, okay, learn the new software, learn how to operate the new equipment, but at the same time, keep, keep that creative uh, mindset that really separates you from the rest. Because I feel like the industry, yeah, it's going to move forward all the time in technology, in the high tech industry and everything, but okay, but those tools, what are you going to use them on? So that's when, that's where I think the industry is going. I will see it in a very positive way. I, I see, yeah, more exciting, a, a more exciting workspace where you can collaborate with people from all walks of life. And at the same time, I see it in a more exciting a, turn for technology to be incorporated and for you to be able to achieve even better results and faster results with the proper use of technology. Okay. No, that's pretty cool, actually. So yeah. interesting. Next question. So what has been your biggest failure but also what has been mm-hmm. your biggest success so far? Ooh, that's a good one. I feel like my biggest failure, and it was not just a, it, it was more of a Sophia versus Sophia. It was when I didn't, I second guess myself so much on a project that I really wanted to take on. I, I was, I even before starting, uh, launching my business, I really 
prayed and hoped and manifested to have a project like when the person actually reached out and I had the opportunity right there in my like in front of my face I just needed to write one email like one email me with just telling the person what my services were and my pricing and I had such a hard time replying to this email such a hard time that one day went by two days went by three days weeks went by and I didn't reply to this great opportunity that they were just asking, hey, can you do it? Yes or no. Me second guessing to the point where I, I just like, I just froze and didn't know, know what to do. I lost the client. I lost the client in a snap. And then I felt so bad because I was like, oh, maybe they went with a better photographer or with maybe a, a cheaper rate or something. But I feel like that was my biggest loss, losing someone without even me trying to, to, to sign them in, just second guessing. That was my, I feel like my biggest failure because it was also, it was a very high end paying client that I could have easily at least tried to, to sign them in. So yeah, that, that was a self-created loss. <laughs> so sorry, let me just define that for a second. So of when course. you talk about your biggest failure there, that this was a very big client. Yeah. Would the money from this client have been able to build you a couple of studios? Is that the kind of size we're talking here? I was, I will, I could have easily have a hired at least someone full time, full time employee plus maybe a cat, and that's what was missed out on the yeah. opportunity. Yeah, okay. exactly. Because that's the thing. Sometimes, uh, uh, and for people who are probably listening and who are just beginners, uh, having a client that will pay you, let's say, five thousand dollars for a project, that's that's great. But if you have a client that will pay you five thousand dollars every month, and so something that is in the long term, that's a big client. That's the those are the clients that you want. Someone that will keep coming back on a on a common basis. Yeah. So oh, this client was someone like that will just come in a, in a common basis every month and <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was the camera equipment. Yeah. But again. <laughs> it was probably not the right time or okay yeah. oh that makes yeah. sense and you know, it's, it's funny when you talk about that the com- kids coming back like i mentioned this in the intro that we actually met through sherry yeah. prescott from arts on fire yeah. ajax which was episode one and yes. uh, we originally met because you did our christmas family photos with mrs k and the kids it yeah. got so popular that people expect me now to every year have a family christmas photo with it and we're not talking about the ones that you can put in a card and then you mail it to people this is just for us and it just so happens that when i'm at work and it's right near the holidays and everyone in december starts to the business starts to dwindle down so it gets quiet everyone goes on vacation so i usually send out an email to all my business partners that i work with and say hey guys from my family to yours merry xmas happy holidays and i'll usually pick one of the photos that sophia took of my family and uh, they want that now it's in demand where people actually want to see the photo every year. Now, we're not doing anything yeah. flashy or anything out, out no. there, but I'll make sure to link this. Maybe I'll put that in my social media post of some of the photos yeah. that Sophia has taken of my family. So you guys can see <laughs> what we're what the, what we're getting into here. But no, yeah. no, that's actually pretty interesting here. All right. Now it's time for tips from the pro. So now we got some tips from the pro. All right. So these are very specific to your photography space. Now, keep in mind, like I said, I can't debate her on any of this stuff because I'm not a photographer. Mrs. <laughs> K will not let me take a picture. She has done it many times. If we need to take a picture, she will rather ask a stranger to take a photo of us instead of me. And I can show you. I, can teach you. <laughs> I know, but I, I can't blame her for that because unfortunately there are a lot of photos of me with my finger over the lens and I'm not too sure why. <laughs> it's special it, effects. It's yeah, your style. It's, it's back in the di- the first types of digital cameras, like back <laughs> in the day, I would always find a way my hands, and I'm doing something with my hands and you can't really see it on, on camera here, but I would always do something with my hands where for some reason I'm getting ready to push it. The finger just happens to fall right above either the <laughs> lens or the flash. So it doesn't look right she does not like me taking photos at all so she rather a total stranger versus me and i don't blame her for that at this point <laughs> but i do make her suffer though when we do when she does ask me to take a photo because if i have to take a photo of let's say we're hiking and we're on a trail and there's a nice little thing in the background like a nice tree a nice background forest she'll say take a picture of me and the kids i will take 20 pictures and I'll make it in an animation style where I'm clicking it nonstop. So you'll see her literally, and you can't, sorry, the listeners, you can't see this. So 
I'm, we're doing this via video and audio. So Sophia can see this, but you can't. It'll be looking like this where I'm slowly moving forward <laughs> and the hand is starting to come towards the camera. I have oh hundreds of those photos that she re- that the kids seem to like, but she does not. So anyways, <laughs> aside from that, this is more specific photography stuff for you. Okay. So what are the different types of photography services you can do? Because I think when people think of photography, they think of yeah. weddings, corporate, any type of like retirement parties, wedding anniversaries, stuff like that. But I saw on your website, you actually offer pet photography, which is something that I never really thought that was a thing. So what other (laughs) things do you think that as as an entrepreneurial photographer that wants to start something, if they feel like they can't compete on the wedding level or those small commercial events, what what are some optional niches that they can really try? Yes. So I think that's a great question, first of all, because I feel... Many people at the beginning, they think, oh, I have to just go into this niche and just stick through it, which is a very good, it's a good strategy. In my case, it worked a bit different, differently because of the pandemic. There were certain restrictions that at one point you couldn't do lifestyle photography, which is weddings, families, and all of that jazz. Um, what I started doing is first, okay, think about the type of photography that is still on demand and that you can do that will keep you fed. Okay. That makes you enough money for you to be able to cover your expenses and to and for you to be able to have a safety net. In this case, for me, it was commercial photography, which I had to do some corporate video, corporate photography, some on the more tr- um, professional and commercial side of things. But part of me was getting way too, like, not bored. That's not the, 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 the word I'm looking for, but more... Stunted, what, maybe? Yeah, exactly. And you keep like the creative block because everything is very, it tends to be very repetitive, very similar. I want to do something that, um, that keeps me actually enjoying my job and enjoying my decision. I decided to let's dive into pet photography. Why not? If I cannot shoot the families, at least I can take some portraits of their pet. I started doing it once and it was with another entrepreneur in, in Durham. Her name is Judith. She has her own walking, a pet, pet sitting and walking business. You had her name, reached, bring her on the show. Yes, she's fantastic. She's one, one of the people that I will call, I can even consider a mentor because I really look up to her in the way that she uh, manages her businesses. But yes, she was my first client who brought her doggy. And I told her, can I take some pictures of the dog and, and see how they turn? Maybe I'm just super, I'm the worst pet photographer. And she says, no, let's, let's do it. So. I started diving into, okay, let's take a picture of this puppy. And then another person, Sherry Prescott, she was like, take some pictures of Murphy of her dog. <laughs> and, then, and then I started just uh, asking my friends, hey, you have a very cute dog. And I just snapped some pictures. And I was like, okay, this is like a cool, easy, in my case, it was easy because it's not the same thing dealing with, with a person and with, with a pet. So it was enjoyable. It was fun. And also like... Pets have this uh, nurturing way of just being themselves and actually bringing joy into your life. So mm. capturing that was really fulfilling that even the commercial work that I still have to do, it doesn't feel as hideous. So it just spices up. So basically a good way to, to summarize it is have your, have your safety net of clients that you know what you have to do and what's expected of you and then have the one that spices things up. Even if it's one client or if just one hobby, just yeah. keep that in mind. Just yeah, like, like you said, the pet photography was really cool. I mean, I know people some might think, oh, yeah. sports photography or yearbook, whatever you want to think about. You can probably yeah. think of a lot of different areas. It's not people don't have to keep fighting for just the weddings because yeah. I think also too for weddings, it's a it's probably a very stressful. It can be a very stressful moment. That's a specific. That's a very specific project that these people are only going to do it once. Yeah. theoretically, hopefully once. And, and you uh, will hear so many wild stories too. From yeah, what, I mean, from my, photographers. Yeah, if you do a horrible job, oh my god! If you miss that moment, whether they're putting <laughs> the ring on the finger or whatever, you run out of film, or in this case, you run out of space on a card. <laughs> then you have to be very careful with that. Okay, let me exactly. ask you. Let me ask you another question mm-hmm. here. All right, what is your favorite lens and why? So I shoot Canon and I switched over to the newest um, models of Canon. So the RF system, my favorite will be, it will sound a bit cliche, but I have always dreamed and saved and almost sold my lungs and my heart in order to pay for the 70 to 200, uh, 
RF lens. That's a lens. It's I wish I could I could describe it to the perfection. So people who are listening to this are like, oh wow, that sounds cool. But it's uh, this big lens that is able to zoom in and zoom out. It, it creates a beautiful bokeh. So it blurs out the background for just in simple terms. It blurs the background <laughs> when you're taking a portrait, oh. and it also has. I just. All, my favorite portraits I have been able to take uh, to take those with with this lens, and it's my favorite for weddings, for just simple portraits, or even like to freeze action when I shoot a dog that is running and it's just it's going at a super fast speed. I love to use that lens, and I know there's other lenses, but that's just my personal preference. This lens is my my favorite for portraits. They're really capturing better images, and you will notice that if you shoot with a beginner's camera for practice, that's great. But when you upgrade to a full frame camera, that's when you will see even better results and your skill level will will get better. If you okay. again, if you keep practicing with it, there you go. Keep frame. practicing. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So, so last question on this point here before we get into more of the fun one. We're already over an hour, if you can believe it. So I am my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> told you it's going to be minimum 60. I'm just saying. So, all right. How do you balance work and life? Because a lot of small business owners, when they start their thing, it's all about the business. But for some yes. people, who, let's say who are married and they have children or, oh, yeah. or they live at home with their family and, and that family time, how do you balance all of it out? So you don't, like you said, suffer from burnout, but also not mm-hmm. neglecting your loved ones. That's a very good question. It really hits, like it really hits home because one of the biggest challenges that I have had so far in my business, I will lie if I said oh, I was able to operate my business within the first year and have amazing uh, friendships and relationships like it really takes a toll on your schedule if at the beginning when you are still learning the ropes of it the way that i was able to at least be aware that there was not a balance there was when my partner actually told me hey i feel like even when we are together we are only talking about the business we're only talking about or where even i'm helping you with something that is related to your business and it's great it's i love supporting you but at the same time i will appreciate it we could do something regular like just like a couple so yeah it was like a wake-up call for me because i'm like oh wow i did yeah i only do 99 percent business situations worst case scenario what happens if the business doesn't work out then what you know, what? what's really out there? Like, do you have a personal life outside of your entrepreneurship life? The way that I did was first set the clear boundary with my partner and with my friends, telling them I, I will appreciate them to be, to support me, but just and my partner, support me when things get rough. And if I just need a hug, please just offer that hug. But in terms of operations and, and decisions in my business, that's all up to me. So that setting that boundary of like, my business is my business. A really, if I'm busy, I'm busy. And as, as soon as I'm not busy, I will be able to be here and to be actually present. And with my friends, friends and family, that was a bit also scary at the beginning because I did alienate myself a little bit from them at the beginning because I was just like, oh, I have to make money. Oh, I have to make money. Oh, I have to, to, to pay this and that. And then I noticed that my family was even like, hey, we haven't seen you in two months. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you alive? <laughs> So yeah, it was also making sure that, okay, at least once a week or easily four times a month, I have to spend a day with my family and my friends. And even unexpected plans happen. And the cool thing about being an entrepreneur is, yes, you you have your own schedule, you create your own hours. And at the same time, in the same way that you schedule a business meeting, you should also schedule a time where you fully, like fully allocated to your family and friends. Or your partner, if that's the case. No. So that's at the beginning, my friends will make fun of me because I will, they will say, Oh, we should hang out next week. Yeah. Okay. What day? What? Yeah. And I am here with my phone making a calendar invite and they're like, Oh, that's very like business, business <laughs> thing. And I'm like, Okay. I know. But if I have it on the calendar, it's easier for me to remind myself that I shall not schedule anything before or after just so I can be there. The calendar thing is really important. Like, Sophia, you know how we, like, when I sent you my calendar to say when we can, when you come on the show, it works for people like us who are busy with other things. So once that thing, and once you make an appointment, I see it on my calendar. I'm like, okay, I know. And I keep it active so that my personal calendar is synced in with my work calendar, synced with my business Mm -hmm. calendar, so that everything I know that if I have, let's say, a work meeting coming up at a specific time to make sure I block it there. Because if I don't, and I send a calendar to all my podcast guests, 
or people that I want on the show, they might click on a top. If I forget, uh-oh, they're picking on something that, oh, geez, it's affecting my work. I got to be very careful mm-hmm. with that. So that, like you said, it's very good. The boundaries is, is very good because I know, and make this fast here on my end, but mm-hmm. when Mrs. K and I had children or have children, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> the minute we have children, for most people, I think a lot of parents can relate to this. A lot of the effort that a lot of the energy goes towards the children in terms of making sure they're healthy, making sure they're eating right, making sure you're finding activities for them to do, taking them to their stuff and make sure they're socially okay, that a lot of it encompasses your day. So that sometimes when it's just the two of you, you don't really have much to talk about. So Mm -hmm. one, the best tip my late father ever said to us is that, you know what? Hey, this is when we just had my daughter and they said, whatever you do. If you just even need just a couple hours, if you and Mrs. K wants to see a movie, bring her here, we'll watch her. And that's great. And the one rule that I made to Mrs. K, I said, okay, we have a date night. Number one rule, we do not talk about the children at all. Wow. Because it's so easy that, how many stories have you heard of a couple who have kids, the kids finally leave the home and it's now it's just the there's just the couple. They almost forget how to talk to each other because it was always about the kids. And it doesn't mean we're perfect. We still catch ourselves sometimes talking about the kids and trying harder and harder to make to catch her on it and to call her on it. And I want to do the same with me if we happen to blurt it. So that's my tip. That's my mm-hmm. that's what uh, Sophia and I's tips are for everyone to try to have a healthy balance here. That's yes. what we recommend. <laughs> Boundaries yes. and really try to establish because you guys got together for a reason. So you don't want to forget that as the kids grow anyways. So aside from that, let's exactly. get to some more fun stuff here. Oh, actually, you know, let me ask you one question before we get to the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. What is your opinion on those those royalty free photo sites where the photographers will take photos and they'll royalty free? They credit that. Is that a valid? I'm not too sure how those work. Does the photographer get paid to up to sign up for that, or is it literally just it's they're just using it as here's my name, try to follow me, and then contact me if you want to do a project kind of thing? Is that how it works for some of those royalty free photo sites? For it depends, yes, it depends. And my my specialty is not in that section itself. But what yeah. I have heard from other photographers that have done, they there is two avenues that you can do. Go one is to just raise awareness about your brand. So you do select some pictures that you will know that will be able to you know be used by businesses and you know for other people to use for commercial purposes without you really charging anything. And it's just for them to, again, to see your name, to see the brand and to see your work. So that's a great way to promote your work. But when it comes to, for you to charge royalties, which is on, on the other type of websites where you actually get a portion of the profit when they actually sell the, that's something that is more on the passive income, uh, side of things where you are also, you, your work is also being used for commercial purposes, but you get one full bite of the cake. So. My personal view is I would recommend to do 30% on the free website where it's just for you to, for you to share a good piece of kindness and beautiful photography to the world and the remaining to the actual income making websites where you can actually make some royalties. Especially it's a, again, it's a saturated market too. It's not, oh yeah, you will upload one picture and then make a thousand of dollars. No, it's, it takes time to get there to, for you to be able to make a sustainable income from those sites. Mm-hmm. But I I will recommend it to, to yeah not invest all your time on the free websites because right. again if you're not a charity you're a yeah. business and that's exactly. something that's always good to remember. <laughs> oh, excellent! <laughs> yeah. All right, now it's time for the fun stuff here. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. So okay. these are some rapid fire questions here. But all right, Sophia, what is your favorite fast food? My favorite fast food dumplings. dumplings. I love dumplings. All yes. right, so yeah. my question to you then is. For this first one is, would you rather hunt, grow, and kill your own food or eat nothing but dumplings for a year? The f- oh. <laughs> How bad do you really love those dumplings, Sophia? That's what I'm asking. You know what? As much as I, as much as I want to say, oh, you know what? My, my relationship with the dumpling and with the dumplings are strong and going. I will say the first option is because I love diversity in my food. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I like to mix it up as much as I love dumplings. They, 
they are special for a reason because yeah. I don't have them very often. <laughs> Good response because I know I could have picked any fast food place and my favorite fast food is it's known as Charlie's Philly Cheesesteaks. It's Charlie's Steak. Oh. It's a Philly Philly Cheesesteak. So that is yes. my favorite. Could I eat that for a year? My heart would not survive eating that thing <laughs> for a year. And the hunting growing king, I, like I'm an animal lover, so it would be hard for me to kill my own food. I'd I said, if we, if I had to become like a hunter gatherer kind of thing, I'm going to go pure vegetarian. That's pretty much what it is. If I have to exactly. have something look at me and I have to take their life, I'm like, I don't think I can do it. I don't care what it is. Cow, chicken, fish, you name it. Pork. My God, yeah. I had a pet pig in the Philippines. Yeah. Oh. If I, if I, I fed them frutella, which is a very sweet candy back in then. And I didn't find out until after we left the Philippines that uh, my parents told me, oh, yeah, they cooked him. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. I'm going to try to forget that. So yeah. anyways, next yeah. question here. All right. <laughs> Would you rather have sticky fingers or an itchy throat? Okay. That's a pet. And the sticky fingers is a pet peeve of mine because when I shoot families and the kids want to reach to the camera with the sticky fingers, no, 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 that's a big no for me. But itchy throat, I, I will say, I will say, okay, I, like Sophia in the future will cringe for my answer, but I will say sticky fingers just for the sake of, I like to, hush, I, I like to talk, as you can tell, but the sticky fingers, I think it's an easier solution and it's just more, you feel like Spider-Man, I guess. I can look at, I don't know. Itchy throat say, would suck. I'm just, I'll, I'll tell people, I'd rather get sticky fingers than itchy throat because yeah. I mean, how much are you gonna you're gonna eat? You're gonna drink? I'll be eating. I'll probably gain so much weight because I'm trying to remove the itchy throat with something, right? right? If you if yeah. there's no such thing as a throat scratcher without gagging, you feel like you have to put something in there just to try to scratch that itch, and that would just drive me nuts. Exactly, and that's and that's that's the thing. When you feel something in your throat, it's like ooh. Like I was watching uh, a documentary of Shawn Mendes, okay. and I remember he one of the one portion of the the documentary he explains how his voice was actually you know damaged for in a sense burning it out for all those concerts and all of that singing and it just me putting myself in his shoes having to go through that pain and actually just like <laughs> struggle with with wanting to talk but just the uncomfortable feeling of not being able to do absolutely so, well. so, speaking of Shawn Mendes do you know how many people have stopped me and say I look like Shawn Mendes oh yeah I can fully agree I can see it I can yeah, I a total of zero because <laughs> me and him look nothing alike I just want to throw that out there and just so you know my son Gabe's He's, he asked me again, because I said I was going to yeah. have you on the show. Are yeah. you sure she's not Wonder Woman? I said, oh. I'm sure she is, Like, but she looks like her. And I'm like, I, I don't know how oh to, dis- I don't know what to tell him. So I'm like, yep, I, she's not Wonder Woman. So Gail oh Godot, for God. those who aren't familiar with the movie we're talking about here. So Sophia has a strike resemblance to Gail Godot, and that's who my son thinks that she looks like. All right. Oh, I wish. <laughs> All right. So next. I, don't worry, Gabe. I will work for it. I will yeah, work for go. it. Not disappoint the kid. <laughs> All right. All right. If you could jump into a pool of something, mm-hmm. what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I think. Oh, there is. Huh. So I will say flower. This flower, the texture itself is very like soothing. Flowers and soft. are oh, not not flowers, what you see growing like on the. Th- you're talking about the flower no. that you use for baking. Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's super random. I know it's super random, but it's just it's something that even as a child I will like, I will play with, and I'm like, oh, this is so soft, and and yeah, and I also love baking, so yeah, that could be also a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty cool actually. I was gonna say money, but uh, I would love to. You know what? Uh, as as much as I as I improve my relationship with money, jumping into a pool of money, I don't know. But if it was I full would, of I like mean... coins, not if it was coins. Right? <laughs> if it was like you know bills, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my my, my cat uh, Snowball here has just jumped on my lap, and it was bound to happen. Like I said, the, the listeners can't really see this because uh, this is an audio podcast, but. He was pawing at my leg and he likes to sit here. The other cat, Ninja Star, which is named after, which my son decided to name, is somewhere <laughs> downstairs. But yeah, maybe we should get you to do a photo, sh- photo session with just these two guys because that'd be very yes. interesting. Yes, I love cats and, <laughs> and I have shot already a couple of cats and like with my camera again, every single time I, oh, I shoot animals. They're like, oh, which guns? No, with no. my camera. <laughs> Where's my camera? Not that kind of shooting, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Last couple of questions here. So. Who would you like to sit with most on a 10-hour flight and why? Oh, 
That's a very good question. Are you? Do you mean someone famous or someone like? I'm opening it up. I never get too specific with these questions. I want to be very. Yeah. I want to hear how you guys think. Oh my god, that question has been asked to me so many different times, and I always give a very different answer depending on where I am at. I would really like to. That's the thing because if it, if that's a privilege, of course, I would love to be like, oh, I would love to talk to a family member who is not here anymore. Yeah, my instinct is I would love to have my father sitting next to me. Exactly. So that exactly. is something I would probably want to pick. Yeah, but, but in the more, let's say, you have already that kind of like you have like extra passes per se, and you get to choose like someone famous. I guess I will be. I I really, for example, one of my favorite singers of all time is Adele. Okay. Yeah. So. I admire her for for her, her entire career has been ups and downs and even having she became an icon in terms of uh, her career and at the same time even in her latest album she mentions a lot of on the more personal side of her life but I don't I find her very interesting and very funny and I think you know what though I wish I could sing like her I feel like I would love to have a conversation with her regarding how to face hardship and still make the best out of it and make even a couple of millions out of your hardship. <laughs> I thought you were yeah. going to say Sean Mendes first. And that, that, that would be my first thought. That I want gonna... to, okay. So, Loki, and I know this is going to go like, yes, Sean Mendes is, I, and I always bug even my friends with, with this thing. I said, Sean Mendes and I, we're going to get married, guys. I'm just manifesting <laughs> it. And just so you know, we're, we are going to get married. We're going to meet and boom. Funny enough, I said that because later, a, a couple of months later, I was able to produce some film, to produce some videos for Pine Ridge High School, which is one of the high schools, the high school that he went to because, before he became famous. And I met the teacher. I met uh, the teacher, his te- his vocal teacher. Yeah. And like, part of me was like dying inside of laughter of how when you truly manifest the things, life will get you, I mean, even a bit closer, but it's up to you to really like, oh, you know, of course, I'm not going to tell the teacher, hey, hook me up <laughs> with your former student, but... But it's interesting how you are so close to, like, you're closer to the people that you really want to meet. Interesting. Even things. Hey, if if Sean Mendes and I, we we get married, I would love to have you in the wedding. (laughs) If if you decide to marry Sean Mendes, tell him about the podcast. I would definitely love to speak to him as well. But yeah, yeah, he's a a good guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's a good guy. I joke that, yeah, I would love to meet Dwayne The Rock Johnson, actually, and just sit next to him. You don't look like him. You look like him. Okay, we got that on on audio now. So when I play this for Mrs. K, she's going to know that it's not just me saying that Dwayne The Rock Johnson and I look exactly, except I have hair and he doesn't. (laughs) I joke with the kids. I'm like, see, look. When they see him on the screen, I'm like, see, daddy looks like that too. She's like, no. But I do have to admit, I do like his fashion sense. So I did. If you ever look at, even just look at the trailer for the show, TV show Ballers that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson does, a lot of it, he's wearing really nice clothes, like very stylish. And so I liked to mimic his style for that. So I would just love to talk to him, not just about his style, but actually how of he course. does everything. Because <laughs> that dude is, he is all into it, man. And he's yeah. work on so many different things so likable across almost the entire world and mm-hmm. he still has time with his wife and his daughters to really just enjoy it and i remember seeing him back yeah. when he was a wrestler when i used to go to watch the wwe back then yeah i remember him coming into toronto and he's ah, toronto sucks and we're like boo Dwayne or boo the rock <laughs> and stuff like that that's when he was a bad guy so there yeah. okay. last question here <laughs> all right what is your theme song and why so you're walking down the street or the sidewalk this song hits, and when people hear it, they know Sophia is coming down. What song is that? Well, I okay. My theme song versus my favorite song. I would think. Yeah, theme my song. Favorite, my favorite song. Yeah, I think uh, if I don't butcher the name, I think it's "Who's Got the Love" by oh my God, Florence. I love that song for some reason. Like, just it really. Uh, no matter how how stressful the day may get, when I hear that song, it's like picturing myself like filming and just. I don't know, it's me capturing a wedding on just one, with one camera and just doing like cool tricks and, and things like that. When it comes to, I don't know, like a more like soothing song for the more emotional part of the Sophia documentary, Work Song by Cossier is one of my favorite songs for that. Really? That's, okay. Yeah, that's like my anthem, I will say. <laughs> I love that <laughs> song. Good yeah. choice. Work so, a colleague here. Work song. <laughs> <laughs> so any other advice? For photography and for video, I feel like no matter if you decide to do photography and video as a career, I feel like you should always keep pursuing it on the side because at the end of the day, when you get older, going 
back to those memories and bringing in, like, and actually having, going through that journey of nostalgia is really worth it. So always be present. And after being present, quick snap a picture, it's going to be worth it in the long run. I, <laughs> it's life is what you, what, what you make out of it and what you can remember out of it. So that's the way I see it. And that's why I keep doing photography. And if you do decide to pursue it as a business, always remember it's about capturing the essential milestones and essential candid moments of each of each event. Yeah. Pretty cool. And sorry, where can people reach out to you? your business, your website, your social yep. media tags? How do you want to, how do, how, how can people reach out to you? Ooh. So on Instagram, I appear as Mingram Media and it's my website is mingrammedia.com. Some people have a, a bit of a challenge with my name, or with my last name, uh, Mingram. I just, and I just say, okay, imagine minute, just in short, and gram, just minute and gram. So Mingram. Yeah, so mingrammedia.com. Uh, in there, there is my email, my cell phone number, and my social media handles as well. Oh, but yeah, that's, that's a way to contact me. That's yeah. great. No. All right. So th- thank you once again, Sophia, for this. I know the listeners learned a lot and yeah, hopefully we'll have you back on if we have asked the Sophia type of segment where they might have more specific questions. Maybe we'll do that. Okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Ken. All right. That was our interview with Sophia Mingram. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but the original recording of this was well over more than an hour and a half. So the challenge of trying to chop it down to just a little over an hour was a big challenge because there's a lot of good things that uh, Sophia and I talked about. So a lot of things that stick out in my mind on this one was one, making sure that don't miss out on any opportunities. Have you heard what Sophia was talking about? One of her biggest failures at the time was being afraid of potentially a big client and uh, that reluctance to try to land that client. And by the time she tried it, the client had already moved on to someone else. So a good tip is to make sure, try to capture, capitalize on every opportunity you have because you never know when that next big client will come in. Second, as I, I think it really stands out, is making sure time blocking yourself with your loved ones is very important, uh, especially in the beginning phases. Uh, it's very easy to get totally absorbed by your business and not and to just not remember about family and friends or put them to the side. Don't do that. Try to find a way whether it's an hour a day, an hour a week, an hour a month, but just something where you, you're not losing touch with them because you'd be surprised how quickly people move on. Uh, I think the last thing that's also really important too is as, if as soon as you find your passion, which is great, you don't need to jump headfirst in and start a business for it. Run it on a part-time basis. And you heard Sophia's advice, right? Start small, start part-time. Make as much money as you can part-time that if it can actually replace your full-time income if you're working full-time, then you have a better decision to think of. Had a great time on this episode, guys, and I can't wait for you to hear the next one. So take care. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories Podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.